been so many times when I've talked to people about prayer and I ask them, how do they pray? And they list off a number of things that they do. They may pray the rosary, pray the divine office. They might read the, the daily readings from the mass. And I'll often ask them, you know, how often have you done this? You know, how many years have you done this same style of prayer? And this could well have been their, their practice for 20 years. And I'll often then ask them, does this form of prayer really feed you? Does it, does it meet you deep where you're yearning to be loved? And then inevitably the answer is no. It's a routine. It's a practice. There is something here that we're completely missing about the spiritual journey. It's like we've been told that this is a practice you're meant to do and somehow, as long as you say the right prayers, sacrifice enough time, the magic will happen and your life will be better. And we seem to forget that we're actually talking with a person. We are relating with a living God, not some divine being who needs to be appeased by our sacrifices. But rather, we're dealing with a God who is actively at work in your life every day. The question here is, can you see how this God is actively at work in you? And can you interact with that? You know, can your way of praying adapt to where you currently are in your stage of the spiritual journey? And this is a key word, to understand the stages of the spiritual journey. In the classic way of understanding spirituality, many of the saints would talk about three different stages. That initially there is the purgative way, then you move on to the illuminative way, and then finally you move into the unitive way. So being purged, being illuminated, and then being united. This is really important to understand your prayer. If you can start to think, well, where am I on this journey? Now, very simply, what this means is, as we mentioned in a previous episode about that image of the book of Joshua, where they had to fight to reclaim the land, they had to get rid of all the areas of sin. This is the purgative way. So the time of purification is after your time of conversion, you go through a stage where you need to actively get rid of these areas of sin or these areas of, that are like a stronghold in your life. Or if you want to use that image of the golden calf, this is where you need to start going through and working out what actually is it that you're worshipping. What are these things that you are seeing as being your hope and your salvation that are not actually Jesus? And to allow yourself to be purified. Now, this is painful because we are very attached to these things. These things have supported us for so many years. And it's the classic situation where we always say that we're not really attached to something until we are forced to give it up. You know, like someone would say, I'm not, I'm not addicted to cigarettes. I just don't want to give them up yet. And in so many ways, we can become so attached to these 
areas of behaviour, that we can bargain and deal with God to find all sorts of ways not to give them up. But it's only when you do try to let go of control, you realise just how much they actually control you. And so if you are in that stage of purgation, your, your way of praying needs to be focused on that. You need to be praying for virtues like self-control, self-knowledge, the ability to become detached. You need to be really actively involved in things like fasting and self-denial, things that are going to help you break the chains that hold you down through these attachments. The second stage, this illuminative way, is a place where you've started to really deal with the serious sins and you've, you've broken away from the, the, the very serious attachments. But there are still these small venial sins or small earthly pleasures that hold on to you. So you've gone quite a distance in the journey, but you're still not quite there at the end point yet. But what you find is that because you've dealt with a lot of these attachments, your way of encountering God changes and your way of praying changes because you're no longer being crowded out by all this other noise. You actually start to come to a space where your prayer becomes a lot more quiet and probably a lot less dramatic. You know, in the early years, God has to scream and shout and make himself known because he's fighting against all these other distractions in your life. As you go along the spiritual journey, God begins to become a lot more quiet, not because he doesn't care or because he's distant. It's just that he doesn't need to shout anymore because you've turned down a lot of the noise. And so there's a need to almost learn a whole new way of, of listening. You've got to adjust your hearing so that you can start to hear a God who whispers because he's no longer going to shout to you. And so the, the way that you pray has to change at that point. It needs to become much more contemplative, much more about this, this reflective listening and understanding the movement of God, which is not big and dramatic anymore. That final stage, the, the unitive way, or the, or, the, or the place of union. Now, the reality is that in, in the spiritual journey, this is a stage that very few ever get to because very few people are prepared to really let everything go and allow themselves to be consumed by God alone. But at this point, your, your way of praying really changes quite dramatically. It can seem as though absolutely nothing is happening. And... Whereas in the early stages of your life, nothing may be happening because God actually can't get close to you because you're so attached to all these other things. In, in this situation, nothing much is happening because you're actually just so close to God. The way that I would often describe this is if you look at two people who are, who are embracing, giving each other a really tight hug, they can't see each other because they're looking over each other's shoulder. And in fact, the whole idea of sight becomes useless. They have to learn how to encounter each other purely through touch. 
And sort of, sort of in the same way, at this point of union, you can't actually encounter God through the senses. Your, your sensory reality, your, your feeling of God becomes useless. It becomes blind. And there's a whole need to learn how to encounter God really on the level of spirit. It's, it's hard to even describe what that looks like because it doesn't look like anything. It doesn't feel like anything. Now, this journey is a journey you're already on. The question is whether you're consciously aware of it. And, and as I said, whether your way of praying is able to consciously cooperate with that. If you recognize that God is trying to work on your attachments and destroy some of these golden calves, conquer some of these unconquered areas in your heart, then maybe the way you pray needs to change and really pray into that. So reading the scriptures is good, but, but maybe pick some scriptures that will attack that head on. Praying the rosary is very powerful, but maybe you now need to make this your key intention. If you find yourself in that stage of illumination, really the point of prayer there is to start to say, well, Lord, give me courage. Give me courage to keep going and not settle for second best. Allow me to realize that there is so much more ahead of me. Start to read as much as you can about what this stage of union might actually look like. Now, just to finish, I want to relate this back to marriage. Because when the spiritual writers talk about prayer, they're talking about the journey of love. And what these, what these saints and mystics have discovered about the way that love operates, I believe can be completely paralleled with the experience of marriage. Because if you look at the journey of marriage, you're going to go through the same three stages. The first stage is that stage of, pur of purgation, the, the purgative way. You enter into marriage attached to a whole pile of other things. You had a whole other life before you united yourself with your spouse. And those early years can be quite painful because you have to leave those things behind. And there's a constant question of, how much are you prepared to give so that you could be united with this other person? The stage of illumination is a stage that probably begins around between seven to ten years into marriage. And that's a stage where, once again, the big dramatic feelings of marriage have died away. And the whole way that you relate with each other now changes and becomes much more subtle and much more quiet. And a lot of people would look at that and say, that's a sign that we've fallen out of love because we don't feel anything anymore. But actually, you're just arriving at the really important point. The question is whether you've got the courage to keep going and keep looking at what else do we need to let go of so that we can enter deeper into the mystery of love. And to keep your eyes firmly on that end goal of union, that in the same way we are all destined for this complete union with God, there is something about the union with your spouse which is so much greater than anything you've actually experienced so far on the journey. That there is a point which I believe very few married couples ever get to. 
which in, in the way of prayer, we would refer to it as being a, a state of real contemplation where they know each other's hearts so well, they almost don't have to speak anymore. And they've given up everything to be united with this other person. So few people have the courage to give everything. Now, your journey as a layperson or as a married person is taking you deeper into the mystery of love. The journey you experience as a, in your marriage should actually be paralleling the, the journey you have with God. That in the same way your marriage is calling you to leave behind attachments and areas of sin, allow that same call to take you deeper into prayer with God. I think that's the way God intended this sacrament to be, that it becomes a way in which you genuinely lead your spouse to holiness as they fall deeper in love with you, as you fall deeper in love with them, you fall deeper in love with the one who is love, the one who created both of you. So in the next episode, I'll try and go a little bit deeper into this about how this works with prayer. And hopefully you might be able to find the ways that this parallels with your experience of marriage as we talk about this. <laughs>